Hello, and welcome back to the American Hanoverian Society podcast. I'm Candace Klingbeil. In this episode, we sit down with dressage rider and stallion owner Casey Cannon. Casey is an adult amateur dressage rider who owns and rides her stallion Diesel CF. Diesel is a full brother to the German Hanoverian stallion, Damsey FRH. In October, Casey took leave from her job as an avocado farmer to travel to Germany for a unique, immersive dressage training experience with Olympian Helen Longhannenberg. It was a lot of fun and truly inspirational to hear about Casey's experience. The interview was conducted primarily by AHS office staff Janice Thompson and Emma Pinnell. Co-host Laura St. Clair and I also asked supplementary questions. Please enjoy the following excerpts from that interview. And now, Emma Pinnell with our first question. Why did you choose to train with Helen? Honestly, Damsey. I would say Damsey was sort of the connector with all of this. And it, my horse and Damsey are full brothers. I bought my horse in early 2016, which is really about the same time that Helen was offered the ride on Damsey as a 14-year-old Grand Prix stallion. And so I was on a journey with them watching year after year how Helen just did better and better and better with this amazing horse. And for me, it was really fun to see maybe the genetic potential of where my horse could actually go one day. So, you know, from day one, watching her career develop with him, I sort of went on this journey and felt like I had a front row seat into their six-year journey with us learning at the same time. So I think I really watched almost every test that they did, often in the middle of the night. Helen did an amazing job with him year after year. He got better and better. I swear Damsey looked younger at 19 than it did at 14. Obviously, doesn't really need an introduction. She's a German Olympic rider, broke the 90% barrier with Damon Hill. She's been to numerous world championships, European championships, World Cups, and the Bundeschampionat. And with Danzi, she herself was on the German Olympic team, the A squad. She ranked as high as fourth in the FEI International World Dressage Ranking List. They finished a spectacular third in Gothenburg at the FEI Dressage World Cup Finals in 2019. With a whopping like 86%. I think it was really quite a memorable test. I think a lot of people remember that test. So for me, if I could have picked anyone in the entire world to go train with, I felt Helen, we had some sort of connection because we had two full siblings. And I felt in some ways like she already knew my horse a little bit before we went because I I think character wise, there's a lot of similarities between the two. So I will say this was a trip that was two years in the making. It was a long time for me to get there. It started two years ago. When I reached out to Damsey's, one of his owners, Susanna Meyer, to see if possibly training with her would even be an option. And she put me immediately in touch with Helen. And literally two years ago, this opportunity was set in motion. Obviously, COVID, we had many COVID delays. We did some interval training with her through video lessons a few times. And by the time we finally landed at her stable, at least she had some uh, interaction with us already and experience. But it was definitely 
two years in the making and Helen would be my number one person for going over and training with. So I guess my next question kind of segues into riding wise. Do you think you changed as a rider during your training and what training skills did you take away from this experience? I would say I most definitely changed as a rider. I really started to see things more black and white with training. I definitely rode a little bit more in a gray zone. Um, I don't have that much experience, especially at the FEI levels. And, you know, I would sort of be asking for maybe a seven and a 70% effort from my horse. And I would be happy with this because it was nice. It was easy. It felt nice. And when you go and see Helen's training barn and her train, she's got three trainers working under her and 35 horses a day going through their indoor arena. You realize they're not going for sixes and sevens. They are going for eights, nines, and tens. It's very black and white. The system is very methodical and logical for the horses. And there is a standard and the standard is always kept very high. So, you know, six and a seven is not adequate. And for me, this was you know, it's a crucial thing to learn. I think it's also a difference maybe between the average amateur and the average professional where the amateur is sort of okay with the six and a seven and that the professional always has the standard really high. And for the horse, it's always very clear what the expectations are. And one of the best things about our sport is, you know, the goalposts just keep moving. The more you learn in this sport, the harder it gets and the farther away, you know, 100%, nobody I don't think is ever going to get 100% on the test, but you you really never finish. You never get to the end. And that's, I think, one of the most difficult parts about this sport, but it's also one of the most beautiful. So, and if you have a horse and a rider and a trainer that are willing to continually push forward as the goalposts move, I think this is how you get to have a good Grand Prix combination and hopefully a good international Grand Prix combination. So. Training over there definitely helped me realize how far the goalposts are and also that, you know, you just continually keep moving towards them. So, you know, kind of adding on, as you're saying, you know, the goalposts move ahead, you're always working towards something. In your blog, you talked about your made-up term, the quote-unquote frozen rider <laughs> syndrome. It seems like something that, you know, a lot of riders go through of like kind of, you know, a mental block of, okay, like I got to get over this. You know, was there a moment you remember where something clicked and you just figured out, okay, I've got this now, I can overcome this, you know, that's a thing of the past. Yeah, I wouldn't say I've overcome it because we still haven't, we've shown once in two, last year, like partly from COVID, partly because he was available for breeding and partly because we were going to Germany and there we're in between I1 and I2. But I will say Helen had me within a few weeks of getting there. She said, you're ready. Let's try the I2 test. So you know, we warm up and I start the I2 test and immediately, like literally right when I turned down center line, it was like, oh, here's that frozen rider syndrome. And then I'm afraid to, I just ride through the test. You know, I don't really make corrections. I don't check in with diesel. The test was actually not so bad. It was clean. And, you know, but after the test, I let Helen know, like, you know, I have a little bit of an issue here because I haven't shown that much. And especially lately, I really haven't shown much with COVID. So, and she instantly suggested, okay, every Wednesday, we're going to write a test. And every week we write the test and then we work on things that need improvement. I mean, that's so logical. And it's also genius because at home, you know, I would really only ride through the test a few days before the show. 
So especially if we move up to a new level, I'd only ridden the test a few times. We'd school parts of it, but putting the whole thing together, we only really did before going to a show. So this idea of actually just riding the test once a week so that you've ridden maybe the test, you know, 20 times before you actually go down centerline in a show ring is somewhat genius. I'm lucky in that diesel doesn't anticipate. I know some horses you can't school like this because they learn the test and then they know what's coming and then they sort of take over. Diesel doesn't do that. He knows what's coming, but he waits for me to ask for the movement or my question. So we can actually school the test once a week. And I personally, as a rider, I really need this. I get nervous and then Diesel gets a little bit lost. So, so this was super. She also suggested that we ride our first I2. They call it test of choice in Germany or maybe in all of Europe, but we call it HC, which is a French term for or concourse. Basically means you can ride the test just like you do in a show, but the rough French meaning is it's you're accepted from the your exception from the competition. So we would get a score sheet, we would get a score, and we would get comments from the judge, but it's actually not an officially recorded score. So I can go through the motions of riding the whole test. I can get all the notes from the judge, but I don't have to have the pressure that it's actually going to be a recorded score for Diesel and for myself. And when, especially I think when moving to the I2 where you have Passage for the first time, riding the test HC is actually a great idea. And like Helen said, just ride them like you ride them at home and don't worry, you're not getting a score. That was also super helpful. So what do you think was the most impactful thing you learned in your training that you will take with you into competition? I would say to keep riding, and this seems so simple and logical. And when you're on the horse and you're the one riding, it's not easy really to expect for me to go to a show and expect the same horse that I have at home to expect that and behave like I do at home. I realized a few years ago that I would get nervous at shows. And like I said, I don't have that much FEI experience. I've done four I1s, I think, with Diesel and one I1 freestyle and a handful of pre-St. George's. I had one horse before Diesel. I did two pre-St. George's on, I think, 15 years ago, 2017 years ago. So for me, it's a big deal. It would be a lot easier if I had more experience because I could bring that to the table with Diesel, but I don't. So I realized a few years ago that when we go to a show and I we're in the warm up that I would ride different. I normally am very vocal with him. I communicate with him all the time, tell him good boy, give pats on the neck, like always positively reinforce him. And when I would go to a show, I would realize I kind of abandoned him. I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't let him know he's doing things great. And because of that, I would start to sort of lose his confidence because he was what's happening. Where's my mom? So I worked on that for the last couple of years, and I think the next big step for me, which helps riding a test a week, is to be the same rider as I am now in the warm-up that I need to be in the arena. And granted, you can't talk to them, you know, but you can give them a pat on the neck. You can, you can let them know and communicate more and keep riding more uh, in the show ring and really do my best to not let the show aspect affect the quality of our ride. I will say it also really helped going to Herning, Denmark. Helen took me with her to a World Cup qualifier, which was amazing and somewhat mind-blowing. And to watch her in the warm-up and then in the show ring to watch some of these other horses 
obviously there was some top riders from Europe there warm up and then go in the show ring. It was also really educational to see how they rode in the warm up, how they rode in the arena. A lot of the horses actually really just light up in the show ring and they're happy. They're confident. They put on a show. And I think this is a testament to really good training, good riding, and then also show experience. If horses could talk, what do you think Diesel would say was his best moment of this trip? Honestly, I would say it was when uh, I returned from going to meet his big brother. (laughs) Well, let me just backtrack and say I am a total helicopter mom with my horse. He lives at home. I can see him actually from my office. He knows I think I can see him and he's very good at communicating. If he needs something, he whinnies. You know, if I'm not out there at first light, he lets me know, hello, breakfast. Uh, He sees me right at sunset. If I leave our property, he knows. And then he'll stand at the fence where he can watch the gate and he'll literally wait for me to come home. And then when I come home, of course, he's the first thing I go and say hi to and make sure everything's okay. So. And at Helen's, he knew I was there all the time. I got there before sunrise. I was there really until uh, almost sunset every day. He knew I was around. He was happy. He had his mom. Day we went to go see Damsey. You know, we left early. Damsey's now retired and up about three hours north of uh, where Helen is at Hegstation Meyer, where he's available for breeding for Germany or actually all of Europe. And so we left her and Christine and I left and Christine is Helen's longtime groom, who was also Damsey's like favorite person on earth. Anyway, we left early in the morning, went to go see Damsey, spent a few hours with him, which I'll go into that in a minute. But when we returned, it was like dark and Diesel had his head out the stall window. And when he saw me get out of the car, he just was like winning and winning and stomping. And he was very happy to see me, but he was also very upset that I had abandoned him all day. And I think he was just relieved that, you know, I came back. So he has me trained, I think, maybe more than I have him trained. <laughs> what was it like to go meet Damsey? Damsey is incredible. It was sort of like meeting a rock star, honestly. Like, I'm not really starstruck by people, but with him, it was, it was actually pretty intense and a little emotional. I've idolized and watched him in his, like, the last six years of his career. And I have this, you know, you, you build up this image of these animals. And then when you actually see them in person and how much presence they have, it was very, it was cool. I had tears brimming actually when I walked in and he was in the cross ties and I saw him. And it was also very cool to see how happy he was to see Anne Christine. He was sort of like Diesel, just nicker, nicker, and just like, hi, where have you been? Like, and so that was pretty emotional for me to see too, that these animals really have a strong connection to their humans. I will say, I feel like I have Damsey's puppy dog younger brother. <laughs> Damsey is like, he's very cheeky and I almost feel like he tries to see what he can get away with. My horse is definitely doesn't like to be in trouble and he's very cognizant of trying to, you know, stay in my good graces. So, but it was interesting to see, I think both of them are really quite communicative with people and they have very good human skills and they command attention from their people. I'd say they both really seem to be more interested in people than other horses and they're human. But yes, it was, it was amazing to meet him. He did not disappoint. What has changed, do you think, in Diesel going through this training experience? 
Oh, that's a good question. I would say a lot. You know, we put a fair amount of pressure on him to go over there and sort of raise the bar. And he stepped up to the plate. And I feel like I feel like in some ways he understood the seriousness and it's probably just a reflection of me being more serious because often I'm just like this happy-go-lucky and I really love the sport, but I, you know, I have fun with it. I'm not so serious sometimes. And so the, we, we raised the bar on the seriousness and he, the more we asked, the more he offered and he stayed happy and willing through the whole process. I would say he became, the whole connection for me changed you know, he used to be kind of strong in front and Helen really had me just get him on his hind leg and not let him be strong in front. And by the end of our training time there, he was so soft and swinging and supple in his back and top line, carried himself. You know, if I put leg on, if I changed something, it didn't change the contact. He was super light and supple in his, in his neck and throw latch. I would say the feeling for me in the saddle changed a lot. And also, this is also partly because I am not so experienced. Whenever I, before Germany, whenever I would prepare for a movement or end a movement, I would, I would kind of slow down. I would over-prepare, overthink, like, oh, we're going to half-pass. And we would literally slow down to enter the half-pass. And after, you know, being in Germany, I can now change things or start movements or end movements where he still is pushing from behind and the tempo's not changing and the brakes aren't coming on. And I think this was a really big revelation for us also. So I feel like, you know, all of my, all of his weaknesses up until this point and probably forever were always really my fault. So it's just, I needed to learn what was expected and then start executing that. So I would say he changed quite a lot. And the feeling I have now is, I think, such a great starting point for us to start the big tour, the I2 or the Grand Prix. Can you kind of walk us through quickly, you know, why you decided that this was the year and at what point in training? What were you thinking in terms of the timing for diesel? Well, I think we got lucky, actually. And I think if we'd gone earlier, I think we would have benefited perhaps less from this because. Diesel's going to be 11 this year. You know, we were schooling the whole Grand Prix. And I think to be able to go and maximize your time and Helen's time, it was a great time to go. The Passage was new for us, but everything else in the Grand Prix, I think we have a solid start for. We just needed tune up, kind of like get on the gas pedal and tweak up the volume kind of a thing. So for me, it was definitely, I'm actually glad we didn't go a year or two earlier. We started Passage last year. Actually, Hinneman helped us start, introduce Passage for him. So, and Helen really helped with this a lot. Uh, we used to get slow in the Passage and she just really kind of encouraged me to think of the Passage as a trot. And I think if we'd gone a year or two earlier, we wouldn't have gotten as much out of it because we just, you know, now we're really, I think, ready to show I2. It's the perfect time to go when you're really, I think, stepping up to the next big, you know, I think changes are a big step in the test in the scale. And then also the Piaf Passage is a really big step for horses. So ended up being the perfect time to go. And I'm actually thankful that COVID kept us from going for a year. I wanted to ask a question too. I remember seeing Diesel way back when he was six years old at a Conrad Schumacher clinic, right? And mm -hmm. Casey was just starting some half steps with diesel. 
in addition to his fabulous disposition, I was really impressed. And I was like, wow, you know, he's got a lot of talent for these, you know, upper level movements. What was uh, Helen's impression of Diesel? It was actually really fun. There were often comments she would make, gosh, she's just like Damsy, you know, like in the training or something would happen. And she said, Damsy would always do that too. I know, I know about this, you know, and she said she was very supportive, encouraging, and I would say also complimentary. You know, a few times she said, look, Diesel can do everything in the Grand Prix for an eight and the Piaf Passage even higher. So, I mean, at that point, and she said, it's really, you know, it's up to you. It was great. He's a horse capable of anything. And I'm, I'm the one that has to step up to the plate and bring out his potential. She had really good things to say about him. And she said, you know, it was nice. She also said that we had done a great job training him. I think I terrified her in the very beginning because I'd let her know that Diesel was my second horse in 20 years. And I think because Germans really have a system where they bring up riders, this was sort of terrifying. By the end, it was really, it was fun for Helen. And in fact, she said in the last couple of lessons, she said, you know, I have to say, I, I don't know that I've ever had a horse or a student improve day after day, week after week, like you guys have. That's also a testament to Diesel's trainability and a testament to our partnership. You know, I've had him for six years. You know, we've been very consistent in our training and I've had the same trainer at home for the entire time, Amelia Newcomb for six years. I'm the only one to handle him. And I think we have a really great foundation where we were adaptable. Do you have any advice that you would give to someone who's, you know, either getting ready to travel to Germany or even just traveling abroad for training? For me, you know, I would say be open and be maybe ready for some introspection. You know, I'm lucky in that I've been, I've moved quite a bit in my life and I've had times where I've just completely changed my environment and countries or whatever. So I have some experience with this. When you go and leave your life completely behind and spend two months in another country, which really the only commonality for the whole thing was my horse, go into someone else's life. It's really a time where you can look at your own life through a different lens and you see our culture versus a different culture, different train, your whole perspective is really changed. And I think there is a real opportunity. It can be maybe a little difficult or you may like or not like what you see, but I would say just be prepared, be open and be prepared for personal growth and self-introspection. I would say be bold. You've really got to step out of your comfort zone, I think, to do something like this, uh, especially for me because I've always been very conscious of my lack of experience to kind of go and train with one of the best trainers in the world. You know, it was a little bit of a risk. So you have to be bold and really be willing to step out of your comfort zone. I think if you're going to grow as a human, as a rider, the, the best way to do this is to put yourself in these environments. So realistically, I would say dress warm. It was cold. I mean, I'm from SoCal. It was warm when I left and it was freezing the entire time there. I swear the sun would be shining and it was not warm. Like you'd be in the sun and it felt like there was light, but there was no warmth from the sun. It was often, you know, freezing, wind blowing, and you're, you spend a lot of the stable, either in the stable or walking horses around the stable. So dress warm, embrace the food embrace the cultural differences, you know, bring home the things that you love and try to incorporate those things into your own life. Thank you, Casey, for sharing your journey with us. For more on Casey's experience, you can read her blog, 
60 Days with Helen Long Honenberg on her website, karenatafarms.com. For more information, please see the show notes. And if you have questions or suggestions for the podcast, please message us through our Facebook page, the American Hanoverian Society official page, or email us at ahsoffice at hanoverian.org. Thanks for listening.